0: When we get to Christmas time, we as people who try our best to speak for and live for God, we try to express the most profound things we possibly can. We do it through words. We do it through giving gifts. We do it through our worship. We do it through finding videos. We try to express this most profound truth. God himself, who is the creator of all earth, but so profoundly different from us who are the created ones. 2,000 years ago, he entered into our living being. God, who is so different from us, literally became part of the creation, part of what he had created. He became God in flesh. He became human. He's entered into our world. In the first emotion that most of us feel as we catch just a glimmer of what God did, is joy. And for the little kids, that's pretty obvious. Christmas is when we get a few gifts. We celebrate with joy. We have these emotions of celebration. And as we get older, maybe we get a little bit more of a glimpse of the profound nature and maybe the (coughs) our own human frailty, our human sin. And we recognize how much separates us from God and how different we are from God. And when we celebrate when he came close, an emotion is joy. We also do something. We process memories during the Christmas season. My wife, Jana, came up and talked about our, our Christmas Eve morning. And she told the most pleasant thing about it she told us, that told you, that yesterday we got a text from a new friend in Bismarck who's actually kind of, we knew somebody, and knew him, so in some ways we could say it's like a really old friend, but we only know him a couple of weeks. And they just had a baby, and actually the wife, gonna, I hope this doesn't sound too crass, some of you met her a couple of days ago at her home, she's a very tall woman and she told us, oh, I'm going to deliver on Christmas Day, and I looked and thought, yeah, I think you're going to deliver in February. <laughs> Well, she delivered, and she had a healthy baby weighed seven pounds, seven ounces. So us running up there is a blessing. But also, Jan and I, before we started running, we were sitting in our kitchen crying. Because this may sound a bit silly, Jan and I, one of our stories is we lived overseas for a long period of time. And when you live a long distance from people, you get disconnected, even old friends. And we stumbled on to realizing that an old friend passed away a couple of years ago and we didn't know it. So we sat in our, in our Christmas Eve kitchen crying for a little bit and then realizing she's in heaven. We found her family. They're doing okay. And we got another baby. Elizabeth would want us to have joy today. So we're going to make that choice. But we process these things. Scripture helps us do. We've gone through some passages in Isaiah where it was clear that God had predicted through men who were called prophets that Jesus would come And we see that he fulfilled that. We looked at old stories. I like to look at genealogies, and we saw that our families are really messy, and we need Jesus to enter in. We've done a little bit Sunday of looking at the story in Luke of how Jesus entered. Actually, these are the events that happen. Tonight, we're going to light candles. And as we do that, what I'm going to reflect on is in a classic scripture, most pastors tonight who are going to say some message for their candlelight service are going to be in John chapter 1. I'm not preaching a unique message today. Thousands, maybe millions of guys are doing the same thing. John tells us, not really the story of Christmas, not all oh, it was Joseph and Mary and they traveled from Beth- Nazareth down to Beth- Bethlehem and they had to deal with the king and then the wise men came and John just gives you an explanation. I'm going to ask for you to do something for me. I'm going to ask for you to stand up. I'm going to read John chapter 1 verse 1 to 14 and I'm going to make some comments on it and we're going to communion and like kids. I'm going to be reading from the Holman's translation. Let me stand myself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in Him, and that life was the light of man. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man named John who was sent from God He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive them, he gave the right to be children of God, for those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory. And the glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Please be seated. You know, I'm looking at my notes and I'm going to try to explain this and I feel like oh my how can I as a man try to explain such things that are such profound truth John starts us off referring back to the creation that Jesus was with God and the word that's used to describe who we will say is Jesus is the word The word, the power of God to command, that simply by speaking, Yahweh, I am God, the God of the Old Testament, the God of all these old fathers, by his very word, he speaks life and speaks creation, and Jesus is that word. He was there at creation, and if we were to go back to Genesis chapter 1, We hear this word let us. God Himself is plural. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All things are created through him. Then John discusses the substance of Jesus. He uses two illustrations. The substance is life, and the substance is light. That the illustration is that light shines into the darkness and no matter how dark it is, that light keeps shining in and the light <clears <clears <throat> penetrates it. And the darkness can seem to get stronger and stronger and stronger and the light still continues to go. The darkness cannot overcome it. And I uh, find it even interesting that as our church fathers, the, the church historic historical figures, thousands of years ago, probably did not know the exact dates in which Jesus, the Son of God, entered into this world. And they developed a tradition, they developed a calendar, wanting to say, okay, these will be the dates that will celebrate Christmas, Jesus entering into the world, and these are the dates that will celebrate know, we can probably get closer to this one of, of Good Fridays. We can look at the Jewish holidays of Pentecost and figure out when is the Good Friday and when is Easter. But when they chose the season to say this is when Jesus entered into the world, for the northern hemisphere, it was the days that where light was actually the smallest amount, where our nights were long, and just us trying to live meant that we had to deal with days that were dark, and cold, and in some ways felt like we're a long ways from light, and then lighter years in. Practically, we saw this in the video, we live it out in most of our days. There are seasons which darkness is overcome, but Jesus is the light of God, reaches in and changes things. Then John tries to explain a little bit, who are these people in history? He mentions John, and I think he's referring to John the Baptist, who was sent from God, and he's a witness to the light. He's not the light. Then he kind of restates again, who is Jesus? Jesus is the Word. He has created the world. but tells this painful truth that though Jesus has created the world, and he has created all of us, and we reflect being made in the image of God and carrying a portion of God within ourselves at all times, we have his full dignity. We, the world, did not recognize him. But to those who did, who recognized him and believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. Not born from blood, not born from flesh, not born from... Our best plans, but born from God. He gave the right to become children of God. If you were to read through the New Testament, and look to find what theologians will call the metaphors of redemption, the metaphors of atonement, the metaphors that say this is a word picture that describes what our relationship is like as people who have chosen to believe in God and what God does in our life, one of those metaphors is the word adoption. I think that's what's being referred to here, the idea of a child being adopted into a family. J.I. Packer, in his book Knowing God, writes the highest privilege the gospel offers is adoption. I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to speak candidly to you. Adoption's personal. Adoption's messy. We can know some families where it's been a part of their life. It's a part of their story. It shows the blessing of God. You can see their moments of celebration. You can see videos about it. You can see those who run organizations that promote adoption and try to facilitate. I, uh, between my 30 years ago when I was a young man coming into North Dakota doing a little bit of work with my dad, and showing up here a couple of months ago, God gave my wife and I 20 years living in Africa in a developing world in a world that sometimes could be poor. I remember one Sunday morning. When, I well, I don't make this, not too much of a distraction, we lived in a region that had some turmoil in the past but was very sad, but we hired a couple of men who were old soldiers and became good friends of mine, but their job was to stay at church through the night and just make sure nothing disappeared and make sure when people came to church everything was always safe and they were good men. I remember getting a phone call early one morning, that they had heard some dogs howling out in the field. And their gut said, I'm going to leave the church building and go see what's happening. And when they got out there, there was a child that had been abandoned in the field. And my rough guards chased the dogs away and brought the child back. And our church kind of went through a process of Figuring out what's going on here, and eventually the child ended up being fostered, and I think, I know, I'm losing my memory, ended up with the family. But the ugly story about adoption, anytime a child is adopted into a family, it starts with a horrible tragedy. Something went really wrong. And when John, the disciple of Jesus, the one who describes himself as loved by the Lord, maybe he even thinks he's the favorite, starts to tell us what it is like when Jesus enters in and what he does, he refers to a, a child being born not by flesh and blood, not by a husband's will, not by good planning, but born by God, referring to adoption. He's talking about tragedy. And for all of us, that means practically we can't take any pride in who we are. Not in who our parents were. Not in anything we've had of success in life. Mom. We are like that child that was abandoned in the field and the dogs were home. And God Himself drops everything and runs to the field and picks us up and cares for us and says, no matter what has happened, no matter how embarrassing this is, no matter how vulnerable you are, no matter what bad things you have done, I hold you as my child and you are my child. And you have all of my blessings and all of the rights J.I. Packard says the highest privilege the gospel offers. This is a theologian interpreting these metaphors. It's adoption. And this is what Jesus does. The word that comes forth through creative power of God dwells as a man who lives among us. In John, and these disciples see Jesus, he's real. Occasionally you may stumble across somebody who will have some theory where they'll say, well, how do you actually know that Jesus walked this earth? And if you listen to it and you just start following the argument for a while, it really does become a pretty silly argument. Because if you study history... There's some portions, I'll give it in the Bible, where you go, oh, you can't find anything to mark that one. There's not like some place where history will come back to it. You can mark it you have to say, okay, that's just pure faith. But Jesus of Nazareth entering into this world, that one gets marked so many times that you have to be absolutely refusing to take evidence to not believe that a man named Jesus of Nazareth walked. And there were a lot of witnesses of what he did. And one was this man named John who walked with him for three years and then wrote a book about it and said, the point of my book is belief. And then John would even die to keep this story going. He saw it. It was real. And he describes Jesus as being full of grace and truth. And I imagine right now if you're somebody who's coming and your life is a bit messy, and you're looking for hope, and you say, I need someone who will give me hope, these two elements of grace and truth are two things you're hungering for. You need someone who's going to see you just as you are and won't put on any blinders. In fact, will take off the mask. They say, we're going to see everything as it is. And when they see everything as it is, instead of giving you harsh judgment, they wrap their arms around you and say, let me pour grace and forgiveness and love upon you because that's what will heal you. That's who this Jesus of Nazareth is. And he's not only just a man, he is God, he's existed before any human being. And John, in closing, talks about, okay, this is the who Jesus is. He started before creation. He's God in the flesh. He's the word living amidst us, the creative power of God, full of life and light, grace and truth, and then talks about what he does for our lives. I want to make sure I read this. Verse 15, God testified concerning and explained, this is the one whom I said, The one coming after me has surpassed me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace after grace. You, I, every one of us who's put our faith in Jesus have grace after grace. Grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, proofs and truths.